curious to know your view on education. And I got a feeling that you have some really good, interesting nuggets uh, of, of where you feel, you know, maybe education is going, where it should go. Because I'm just fascinated with the idea, for me anyway, to kind of set this up, I just feel that just education is just completely dropping the bomb. And I think we just need a completely reconstructed way of teaching our children and seeing that obviously you're bringing into the world, you know, these, these children, this future, what is your, you know, views or what do you think about the way that our education system is right now? Well, I don't think it's great. I think that, first of all, I think it's so structured around test taking and standardized test taking. And I remember seeing a cartoon one time not long ago, and it was a whole group of animals lined up, like a fish and a monkey and a penguin and a kangaroo and a bear and a bird. And, and uh, they were all lined up. It was a, supposed to be a classroom setting. So it was a cartoon drawing. And it said, how intelligent you are will be determined by your ability to climb this tree. Really st- stuck with me because obviously the fish couldn't climb the tree and the penguin couldn't climb the tree, but that doesn't mean they don't have their own innate divine intelligence. And I think that the way this system has been set up now is totally designed to support kids that are really good at memorizing information and using it to pass a test. And it's not supportive of children that have different areas of intelligence. Maybe it's music, maybe it's athletics. Maybe it's um, writing, but I think that previous generations had much more free time, free play, recess, and and freedom, essentially, to discover what it was that they were good at or excited about or passionate about and follow that. And our education system now is, at least in the state of Florida, it's um, the public school system is totally designed around these semi-annual tests that students are required to take, and then based on how they do on those tests they get placed in the next grade or the next level. So teaching has become primarily focused on getting children to memorize information and to learn how to pass that particular test. And teachers in Florida are given bonuses based on the number of students that they have that pass these tests. One of them is called FCAT, and there's all these different tests that uh, that students are required to take as young as first grade. And to me, a, a child's ability to m- remember information and regurgitate it on paper is in no way indicative of their intelligence. So I would like to see the education system reformed. I wish I knew how. If I did, I would probably run for that office. I don't. But the school that I send my children to, and they're two and three years old, and they don't need to be in school. They're not required to be in school. They go three days a week, four hours a day from nine to one. But the school that they go to is very play-based. It's almost Montessori-like without being a Montessori school. But they have um, the entire curriculum for their age group. Now, granted, I understand that they're two and three years old. It's a little bit different. They're not necessarily learning to read right now. They're not learning math right now. But the day is structured around learning and play. So I think for me, I would like to see learning become more about having fun, more about getting the student excited about the material as opposed to stressed about having to pass a test that that for a child really means nothing. But for the school and the teachers, it means everything. 
the voice you just heard is Serena Dyer. That's right, daughter of Marceline Dyer and Dr. Wayne Dyer, sister to Sage Dyer, who we had on episode three of the Avi Ohm Experience. And if you haven't been able to check that out or listen to it, I would recommend you go back and listen to that because that's an amazing uh, podcast interview that we did. Well, on this one, we have Serena Dyer and the conversations we have really just go everywhere. We're all over the map and she's witty, she's she's wise, she's funny. And one of the things that you'll find out about her is that she is in her truth and it's it's like a laser beam. And Avi and I had the joy to sit with her and have this amazing conversation. So sit back and enjoy this week's of the Avi Ohm experience with special guest Serena Dyer. You know, it's interesting because um, I, growing up and going to school, had a difficult time comprehending what I was reading because everything was programmed based on memorizing what you just read and I could not do it for the life of me. (laughs) And, um, and I think it goes to a lot about, you know, the creative side versus the linear logic side. I couldn't, it was harder for me to memorize things. And my hearing you say that, that even, you know, teachers get incentives for students passing um, a test. I was totally not aware of that. Obviously we don't have human children. So we're kind of out of that loop. But also I feel that stepping into the creative world is more the direction of where we are going nowadays. Um, because look at all the entrepreneurial energy that's that's surfacing. It's not um, linear based. It's more creative based and really connecting um, more to uh, the fun, uh, softness, playful energy that really derives from the soul, not necessarily locking us down on information that needs to be, that we, well, I would say it needs to be, you know, memorized, but also information that we don't really use. I I remember, I I don't even know what what it's called or anything like that, but I remember um, um, speaking with someone, this is probably about a year or two ago, and they were sharing with me these um, problems, math problems that they're uh, children were having to do. And it was, um, something that I had never even, (laughs) even heard about. It wasn't standard math. It wasn't like two plus two equals four. It was, I I don't even know what the, the verbiage is for it, but it was like this long roundabout way of doing math. And I'm like, what's the purpose? What is the purpose of, uh, of us doing this long version of getting the same result? But applying different information. So this, this could be an interesting, you know, topic of where are we going? You know, how, how does this, this, how does school nowadays uh, uh, apply moving forward? Uh, um, Serena, I've share with you, you know, I, I am a Gary Vanderchuk fan and, and so he's not a fan of, you know, school. Um, he's a fan of, you know, driving what your passion is and driving what your heart's desire is. And so um, I'm curious to see where we're going with this from a um, a standpoint uh, as a as humanity. What are these rules and regulations, these processes that we follow moving forward? How does it tap into consciousness and awareness? How does it tap into uh, honoring the creative soul? And where do we go from here? 
Right. I remember hearing an Albert Einstein quote, and he said that if you want your children to be intelligent, read them fairy tales. Mm. If you want your children to be more intelligent, read them more fairy tales. And I think that this goes to the the reasoning as to why the Harry Potter series, for example, was so successful. When we excite a child's imagination, when we get their creative process going, when we introduce them to the idea that within their own mind, they can create a whole world, a whole language, a whole uh, series of books or ideas, something that hasn't been done before. That's when we are able to tap into their own innate brilliance. But when we teach them that in order to in order to be successful, they have to be able to climb a tree, even though they're a fish, <laughs> we shut them off. Mm-hmm. And I think that embracing the creative process, or as Albert Einstein said, getting them to use their own imagination, I think that that's when we start tapping into being able to connect with what we all came here to do, which is innate within each of us. And maybe it hasn't been done before. You know, Harry Potter didn't exist until J.K. Rowling wrote it. Right. And I think that that idea is is uh, something that's so powerful to teach, especially young young people, that within them is their own divine intelligence, and they can tap into that. And whatever it is that they want to achieve or accomplish or create, they can do by going within. But when we when we require them to pass tests or to live up to our standards of or or external standards of success, we cut a lot of them off starting at a very young age. So for me, I I totally agree with you. I think that being able to emphasize creativity and and play-based learning and using the imagination is so crucial, especially when they're at such young ages, like like my girls are. Now, but let me ask you this, though. You know, we're talking about creativity. Don't you, and I will say, do you think, I know what I see, is how the world is like siphoning our creativity, you know, taxes, siphoning our creativity, you know, you know, workloads, working 10 hours, you know, whatever, however it may be, you know, sitting in front of the boob tube, uh, you know, for hours on end. Like, don't you see that this, that, you know, or what do you feel about the fact that isn't it hard to be creative in this world? It feels like this world or not this world or maybe the people in it. Well, I'm not sure how to phrase it. Is just siphoning our our creativity. We're so exhausted. In in a lot of ways, I do, but I actually see a lot of hope. I see that there are certain countries that have come to develop this idea that the less number of hours people work in a typical work week, having an extra weekend day, for example, makes them more productive when they're at work. I think that we now have leaders, take an Elon Musk, for example. We now have people that are... um, at the or, or a Mark Zuckerberg or a Bill Gates, we have people that are at the forefront of developing technology and coming up with totally radical new ways of experiencing life that have never been done before. And they they are they are doing that in a way that emphasizes expressing creativity. I I saw something recently that talked about how new offices, like millennial designed office spaces, are all about wearing what you want working the hours that you feel that you need to work and being more successful as a result because you're not stuck in a box. So I actually think we are moving away from the assembly line Mm -hmm. and more into the creative space. But is it going to happen overnight or in a generation or two? Probably not. But I actually do think that we are moving more toward emphasizing the creative, the freedom that one needs to 
to do what they need to do and to be successful in life. And I think that we can see that in, in the business world more and more, but it's, you know, it's not obviously perfect and it, it definitely could take a long time to get it there. But I do believe that we as a nation, at least, and in a lot of European countries or forward thinking nations are moving in that direction as well. I agree. You know, it, it's interesting. We'll just kind of like, look what um, we're doing here at the studio. I mean, and I've said it a, a million times <laughs> before, just in conversation, you know, I mean, we're here in a, a little town flushing and um, having opening a meditation studio where a lot of people um, may not know what meditation is. But I, but I also feel that a lot of these children and these millennials that are are coming in are are um, creating the shift, creating this this sense of awareness. Now there's a lot of people resisting it because there's a lot of things that have to change and there's a lot of control that needs to uh, go away. But you know, it's exercising. You know, we're in an era right now with social media and with Facebook and Instagram and, and all of these platforms that are completely exposing everything that is going on in the world. And that's, one of the, that's good and bad. It's, it's good and bad, but let's focus on the good. The, the good part of that is, is that um, we're, we're in a space now where it's almost um, it's okay. Uh, and it's, it's everyone speaking their truth and everyone has a platform to speak on. It's good from that perspective. It can get the pendulum can swing a little heavy, you know, on the other side as well. But, but this is a, a platform to, for people to really step into what their purpose is and to do it. And it's okay to do it, whether you succeed or whether you fail, but we are, it's now quote unquote, more accessible to do so. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree. And I think that, you you know, you can really see it if you look at the political arena for so long. So obviously, you, you guys know this because you know me personally, but I'm very um, politically inspired. And, <laughs> and I, I often find myself um, delving into like deep political topics and wanting to read as much as I can, stay up with the news in terms of politics, because I think that we're at a real turning point in this country. And the turning point I think that we're experiencing is one where more women and more minorities are entering into races or public office than ever before. And I think that that is because, as Victor Hugo said, there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. Mm -hmm. And the time has come in this country for people that don't look the same and come from the same background and have the same education to run this country any longer. We're, we're entering into an era where it's not only more feasible for somebody that looks different or is a woman or is gay or is Hispanic or is black to enter into public office, but it's more feasible for them to even have the idea that that's available to them. Yeah. That that's a possibility for them. And I think that, you know, like I said, it's not a, it's not a blind fix overnight. I mean, Congress still really is what 90%, uh, you know, elderly white man, but right. it's the fact that it's now, 10% not. And after this upcoming election or the election in 2020, there's a good, very good chance it's 20% not. And over time, I think that we will, we will continue to see this trend happening because the time has come for diversity to take hold in this country. And we see it with the movements, the political movements, the Black Lives Matter movements, Colin Kaepernick getting the, the big Nike deal that he got. I mean, we see it. And there obviously is resistance 
But there's also obviously the door open for that to even exist. Whereas I would say 10 years ago, it could not have. What, what does it look like to you as far as, you know, you know, politics or government or just leadership in general? What does it look like to you in the... Well, a good thing for me would be to have the country represented by what the country looks like. So if the country is 50% female, then I would say we need to have 50% of females in, in political leadership positions. If the country is 30% Hispanic, then I would say that 30% of, of the leadership positions should be made up of Hispanics. I think that the more we have different people from different backgrounds, not from the same schools, not from the same upbringing, not from the same communities, the more we have different people coming in and bringing about the voice that they can offer that's unique, that is representative of perhaps their community or their upbringing or their culture. To me, that is the greatest thing about this country. I don't like where we're at now. I don't like the leadership that we have now. It's just my personal opinion. I don't see an inclusive nature and I don't see a, a desire on behalf of the current leadership to embrace people that are different, that that seem different, that look different, that are from other countries, that have different religious beliefs. But I'm very optimistic that this leadership that we have now, the Trump administration, the, the Republican Party, they have lit a fire, so to speak, under so many people that more and more people, particularly more and more young people are excited about getting involved and casting their vote and paying attention to what's happening in the country from a political standpoint that I think that although this isn't a president that I wanted to see elected, I think that I can, I've been able to begin to see why perhaps he had to be because there's been so much back and forth, so much division and so much like lack of unity, but there's also been such an uprising because of it. Women's voices, uh, Black Lives Matter voices, let's say, they've never, people that are in favor of immigration or supporting immigrants, those voices have never been as strong as they are now. And I really think it's because the leadership that we have is so divisive that people are coming together and saying, I want more and I want better. And I mean, if you watch that, uh, that hearing the other day with Christine Blasey Ford and uh, Brett Kavanaugh. I mean, those two women that came out at the very end to pressure uh, Senator Flake in that elevator where they were demanding, if you vote to to promote this Supreme Court nominee, you are saying to my face that my sexual assault does not matter. And they got in his face and they were so passionate about it that he ended up changing his mind just about how he was going to proceed with this with this nomination. And I think that, gosh, the fact that they could do that and that so many people saw that, I think that speaks volumes for millions of women that have experienced sexual assault that have been told for so long that they should be silenced, that their voice doesn't matter, and that what happened to them is of no consequence. It's in the past. Who cares? You know, it's locker room talk, that type of thing. We saw a real shift take place that day when those women got in his face and demanded he behave differently, and he did. And so I think that the social media and this this sort of uh, diverse uprising that's taking place 
is unifying in the long run. Don't you even feel like it's it's almost like a um, an awareness that is arising, that's overflowing, uh, bringing more um, truth? Uh, just like what you said with this, um, with the hearing, you know, it's people don't know what they don't know. And and then there's also people that just want to, you know, put things under a rock or under a rug and, and never let it come to fruition or, or let it be spoken about. And I feel that this time that we're in right now is where we have a platform, we have an availability, this passion, this this. Um, drive that you're seeing within people, they're they're not about wanting to be hidden or demeaned or suppressed any longer. And I I honestly, in complete 100% agreement with you, that the leadership that is um, uh, guiding us right now is uh, um, <laughs> is bringing this to the surface for so many people to. Um, find this I, the best way i can describe it is this passion this power that is that is we matter and and this voice that needs to be heard because there is a closeness that's coming together with all of this there's more beautiful conversations that are being had even though they're, they're tough conversations they're they're powerful conversations i've been traveling a lot so i've been getting you know driving a lot of um or getting in cabs and you know in ubers and, you know, uh, having beautiful conversations with immigrants uh, who are driving me around <laughs> and um, beautiful, beautiful people. I mean, it, it's it's just it's so amazing that we can have these uh, conversations, two strangers having a conversation. And it's and it's the conversation. And I will tell you, 90 percent of my Ubers have been politically driven um, based on what's happening today and and their input their viewpoints and then us sharing um conversations and then you get outside the car and we're hugging right like like this this didn't happen you know 5 years ago because you you weren't able the the conversations weren't stimulated to have these types of conversations and so then then we we, we all leave happy and they feel good i feel good just because you're having amazing conversations that are just based on truth and based on passion. And you know what? You matter and I get it and I support you. So it, it's, there is a driving force behind it for sure. It almost comes back to the idea, like what you're saying, AV is like the, ref the way I see it is like the reflection of truth because on one level, consciously we were asking for this, right? Mm -hmm. Subconsciously, maybe not fully aware of it. We were asking for this because this is what happens when we have mass you know, mass consciousness that comes together and collides. And so this is the manifestation of that. And so we were asking for it. Now that's in front of our face. Now we're saying, no, 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 I, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't want it um, because, Too you late. know, are we, are we ready for this level of truth? And this is the thing that I feel that we haven't seen nothing yet. No, I don't think so. The level of truth that I feel that the more the other levels of truth that are about to emerge, you know, with even our our my fina our finances and again, you know, all this back end back alley deals, government back alley deals, education deals, college deals. I just think we haven't seen anything yet. Right. And I think that the the space that so many of these movements have created, this the Me Too move, movement, for example, that there are so many women, millions of women 
that have experienced sexual assault or sexual harassment or sexual violence, and they have suppressed it because the space did not exist for them to safely say, me too. It happened to me too. But because one woman decided to create a Me Too campaign, millions of other women joined because that energy was there. It was ready. It was present. And so many of us tapped in and said, me too, me too. And the result of that has been even today, you know, a Supreme Court nominee being questioned on what he did 36 years ago. And I have to say, I really love as a mother of two little girls, I love the idea that young men are being told right now what you do when you're in high school and you're drunk can come back and haunt you 36 years from now. Mm. So don't do it. Don't don't behave inappropriately. Don't take advantage. Don't harass. I love that in in the world of, you know, the Hollywood elite, for example, that a man as powerful as a Harvey Weinstein can have 10 years after the fact, he has to learn the lesson. What you did 10 years ago still matters. And I think that that is incredibly powerful. And I love that we're getting to that point. And I agree with you. I, I'm excited to see where all of these little little openings are happening. I'm excited to see where it takes us in the long run. Because I think that when we suppress things, when we hide things, when we deny the truth, they fester and they create illness or agitation or sadness that lingers in people for their lifetime. But when we open up the floor for somebody to say, this happened to me too, or my life matters, or my gay marriage desire matters, and we recognize that as a nation and we all step in and recognize each other as mattering, I think that we shift our consciousness. And I really think that sometimes as as much as we don't like it, it takes something bad to show us the good, or it takes maybe poor leadership to remind us of the type of leadership we would like to see. And I think that that is what is happening right now, that we are shifting as a nation into becoming one that is more inclusive um, and more embracing of the truth and less willing to hide behind uh, you know, fear and, and the, the fear of what happens if I tell. So let me so let me follow up with this and kind of bringing it, you know, to one of the questions of how we started this conversation with uh, education and I guess the lack thereof, you know, when it comes to, you know, memorize the memorizing or uh, culture is the idea of emotional intelligence. And the fact that obviously they're not teaching this in school, there's no curriculum that says we have to teach emotional intelligence. However, what do you feel about that? And, you know, because do you feel that if emotional intelligence is taught at a young age, that when they're, you know, in high school, they won't make a mistake like this or not a mistake, but, you know, kind of, you know, do something stupid, I should say? Well, absolutely. And, and even more so, I mean, the, the entire world is shifting to be one that is um, so much more reliant upon technology. The only difference between uh, a, a robot, let's say, or an, an AI type of technology being able to get a job done versus a human being is emotional intelligence. Uh, you can teach these automated response systems, you know, when you call a hotline and they, they, they have a recording that is so brilliant, they can basically get you where you want to be, but you don't want to talk to them because you want that emotional connection. 
So the only thing that's going to differentiate you, not you specifically, but in general, people being able to keep their jobs or not in the future is going to be their emotional intelligence, their ability to connect. And I think that if we don't teach that, if we don't embrace that and support that, we're going to have a generation of people that are lost to their devices, to their their addictions, to their technology, and that are going to be replaced essentially by the technology that they're addicted to. I think that emotional intelligence is the thing that makes us human. And it's also the thing that gives us meaning. And without that, we're, we're nothing more than the, you know, the the robotic system that was created to replace us. You just said something super powerful. The It gives us meaning. And that really, really hit me. It, um, it goes back to also what we started with creativity, connects with the soul, um, connects with awareness, connects with consciousness. Um, I will tell you, I'll bring in a personal story. I, when when people schedule an appointment with me, um, I, I don't have anything, um, really elect, I don't have a electronic calendar, uh, on my website. Uh, people come in via a message, a text, a voicemail, a, an email. If they do come from the website, there are some, you know, logistics from a day or time preference and how long of a session that you want. Um, but then it goes to me and then I personally send a message back and I will tell you, I can't, or I can't tell you how many people um, say to me, I love the fact that you're responding, <laughs> that I'm not going through um, some robot or some uh, scheduling device. I'm actually hearing from you. Um, it takes more time, clearly, but it is that emotional connection. No matter how far we get in technology, um, we will always have feelings. And and interestingly enough, I th- this is my belief system. I believe that our culture in the past has gotten away from that empathy. And it's just been, you know, an assembly line. It's been the cubicles. It's been the boxes. And I feel that this part of this transition that's happening with, we call them entrepreneurs, these millennials, these you know, people who are bringing, you know, wearing whatever they want to work, they're working however many hours they want to work is so different than what we have been programmed to do for so long. But what we've been doing for so long is burning people out. People are coming out of school or stepping into school based on how much money they think that they're going to make instead of what is, what is driving their passion and what is driving their creativity. And so there is this shift that that's going because we are connecting to that emotional, empathetic, um, intuitive side, because I'm one of those people left the corporate world six years ago to, to, because I couldn't stand it any longer. And this is what's going to be happening with these beautiful souls um, that are entering and the little ones that are coming in is that they're not going to put up with (laughs) what we've been put up with for a really long time. So I believe I'm also in agreement with you that this leadership that's happening right now is creating the segue in order for all of this, this shift to, to start taking place. That means that we have to start taking more risks. That means that we start finding our voice. It means that we start doing things a little bit differently, um, and being okay with it. And, social media right now is a platform where 
uh, um, people are starting to to feel comfortable to do that. Even with this Me Too, I've seen that happen on Facebook to people that I personally know and never knew their story. And they're having the courage and the bravery to to start speaking about this. And then you have even more of a sensitivity and an understanding for them. Um, and then you start seeing the dots connect of, of certain thing, things that they've done or certain things that they've experienced. And you just, you know, it's bringing so many people together. It's just a beautiful experience. I agree completely. I'm, I'm so often blown away or astounded by the number of people that are willing to share their darkest moment, their most horrifying experience in order to give light or space or freedom for that emotional connection to take place. And I think that that is the beauty of of social media and of being able to connect with people. I mean, there's obviously always a downside to things and I can see how there are so many people that sit behind a computer screen and attack others. But honestly, I think that there's so much more connection taking place than the alternative. And I'm, I'm, um, I'm optimistic about where, where we're headed as a nation. I think that we're headed to a good place. That doesn't mean there won't be ups and downs, but I think that we're headed into a place where, you know, I saw this thing the other day and my dad used to say this all the time when, um, whenever the topic of, uh, and, uh, global warming would come up, he would say, you know, right now there's a woman out there who's pregnant with a child and that child is going to come into the world and they're going to be able to solve global warming. And I would say, well, how do you know that? And what if it's too late? And he would say, well, the universe has a way of taking care of itself, that there are, um, people that may not even have been born yet of one in my belly right now. I'd like to think that perhaps he will come into the world and, and do something that's for the greater good. And there are people that are out there that, that we don't even know yet what they're capable of doing or what they're capable of, of creating. And, um, and I think that the more space we hold for that creative light to come through, the, the more likely we are to have a planet that heals itself. And, uh, and that, that idea thrills me. It's almost as if, uh, you know, the way that I always, and I think, you know, AV, I shared this with you, is the idea of these uh, sleeper cells, you know, these spiritual sleeper cells that were just knocked out. And then all of a sudden, you know, truth rises to the surface. And now all of a sudden, you know, they, they woke up, they decided that I can't be a sleeper cell. I need to wake up and I need to activate. I need to do something. I need to create something, produce something, whatever it is. And this is what's happening, you know, I, I feel globally, because now, obviously, other nations are seeing us and they're seeing this, you know, this, uh, you know, playground or circus thing, event that we have going on here. And, you know, and, and one of the things I always even say, I even say this, uh, Serena, is that, you know, we have teachers, you know, uh, the greatest thing is to have a teacher that always, you know, ensures that we are practicing you know, whatever it is that we're practicing, whether it's kindness, whether it's being open-minded, open heart, to have a teacher that is, you know, giving us these lessons unknowingly, you know, unknowingly, giving us these lessons so that we can better promote ourselves and create a better future. Because I feel like this is really going to, like you're saying, you know, you, perhaps the child that you have, you know, will have this cure to cancer or will you know, be able to save the ocean or will be able to, you know, create an education system that, you know, that really, it, it, it goes it, where it makes sense. Now, our education system 
made sense back in the 1800s and stopped making sense, you know, that long ago. And we're still using that method. So, I mean, it goes back to the idea of, of you know, teachers and, and I don't want to say kind of blowing things up because it doesn't sound right to say that. But, you know, like you're saying, why is it that we have to go through this hard stuff, I guess to say, why do we have to do it? Why can't it just, why could, why did we have to go this route to make change? I think that anytime there's growth, anytime that we ask for growth or our soul desires growth, I think that growth requires change uh, or, or sorry, I should say, what I should say is that growth is the result of being forced out of your comfort zone or being pushed or being tested. And I think that growth doesn't happen when you stay comfortable. Change doesn't happen when we stay comfortable and we stay safe. It's when we test ourselves, when we push ourselves outside of our comfort zones, that we're able to challenge ourselves enough to grow. My dad used to say all the time that an arrow goes forward. When you shoot an arrow, it goes forward because of the momentum that you created when it was pulled back. Or in pole vaulting, for example, in order to get over that high beam, you have to first get really low. And that it's the momentum or the energy that you create in getting low that allows you to get high enough to cross that line. That that is what what change and growth really stem from. It's the pulling back. And I think that for a lot of us, if we stay comfortable, if we're never challenged, everything is rainbows and butterflies our entire lives, then we will experience a life where all we think exists is rainbows and butterflies. But when we are pulled back, when when we are challenged, it opens us up to the understanding that everybody is going through or will go through some type of pullback as well. And we have more, I think, more more of an ability to have compassion, to have a connection when we when we share what we have gone through, when we experience you want you know negative circumstances or crises. It's like I read this poem and I read it all the time and I often send it to somebody that um that has lost somebody and it's there's a line in the poem and the says beautiful people are not just born they are made they are made through their suffering they are made through their loss beautiful people come about as a result of the compassion that they learn when they themselves experience a hardship because if you've never experienced a crisis or a hardship or a loss or a tragedy or a a fear or a financial difficulty or anything like that if you've never experienced it then how do you connect with somebody that has? How do you relate to somebody that has? I think that so often it is the, those difficult times. You know, what's that? There's a, a famous phrase out there about, about the butterfly. I think it says that just when the caterpillar thought its life was over, it awoke and was a butterfly. And it's like we have to, we, we often have to go through these restrictions, these constrictions, these cocooning of ourselves in order to get free. We have to get low in order to get high. And I think that that is, um, it's just a learning process. And I'm sure there are people out there that are able to never go through a hard time and learn compassion or learn understanding or learn how to connect. But they're probably few and far between. 
most of us learn through experiencing our own difficulties. And I really think that that is why we experience them so that we can then connect with others or reach out or have that compassionate, empathetic exchange. Because without the difficult times, it's like, you know, we just, we, st we stay as we are. We're not forced to grow. And who wants that? That would be pretty boring, right? Right. <laughs> Although I've said um, many times, at, at least for me, uh, 2018 has been one of the most profound, pivotal, difficult, yet amazing years to date. It it seems as though that for me personally, um, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> I'm getting a lot done in, in 2018. Um, I had someone say to me recently, like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear of all the struggles uh, that you're going through with, you know, moving into the studio and the the trademark and, and all of these things. And I'm like, and then when they said that to me, I was a little taken aback because they used the word struggle. And I was like, it's not a struggle. Actually, this has been, you know, um, I use the, it, interesting, you, you use the word arrow, what your dad said. Um, I've been using the word slingshot. You know, you have to pull back in order to launch. And this year, has been a tremendous year of, of pulling back in order to um, start that momentum. It's been pretty amazing. Because you guys know me personally, you know, I've been through so many things in the last three years of uh, the loss of my stepson, the loss of my father, my husband's legal difficulties, financial difficulties. I've been through one thing after another, a complicated pregnancy this time around. And each time, each time I go through something, I think, Oh God, not again. I can't, I can't handle anymore. I'm tapping out. I'm done. But each time I go through a difficult time, I come out more aware of where I want to go, more aware of how I want to be now. And each time I'm reminded of my true nature, which is one that is of God and of serving God. And it's only through these difficult times that I'm reminded of that time and time again. So I think my dad used to make the joke that before he was born, he said to God, I want to teach self-reliance in this lifetime. And God said, well, great, let's get your little butt into an orphanage because there's nobody that you will have to rely on besides yourself. So if you want to learn self-reliance and then you want to teach it, <laughs> you're going to have to experience it first. And I think that a lot when I'm going through another thing or another thing. I think, how could I desire to teach something that I have not yet experienced myself? And it's only in the process of going through it and overcoming it or embracing it that I recognize that I can then teach it or that I can then connect with others that have gone through it as well. But without these experiences or these crises or these really horrible losses that I've experienced in such a short period of time in my life. Without these, I don't think I would be where I am now, which is at a place of knowing how I want to live. And it doesn't mean that I, I always embrace living that way. You know, I definitely fall off all the time, but I'm more aware of how to get back up each time around. And I think that that is the beauty of going through any difficult time as as the the line goes if you shield the mountain from the windstorm you'll never see the beauty of the carvings 
the carvings in the mountain only come about because it has endured the windstorm. And I think that for me, I have started to accept that, you know, I've signed up for a lot of windstorms in my life, <laughs> but I can see the beauty of those carvings coming out each time around. So do you feel that, th that you know, these events in your life are preparing you for something? Yeah, I do. I don't know what that something is, but I think that for a long time I had this idea in order to connect with somebody on a real soul to soul level, you have you have got to have experienced something that it's easy to say to someone, I understand your loss or I understand your pain or I understand where you're at, but it's very different to say it when you really do understand because you've been there. And I think that each time I've gone through something like this, it has prepared me more and more with being able to connect in an authentic space. Now, I don't know where that's going to take me, but I do think that each time I go through another difficult situation, I find myself returning more and faster to God, to the knowing that God is within and that I am here on an experiential journey um, and that these are all things that I signed up to experience before I even incarnated into this lifetime. For what purpose or to, to what end? I don't really know. But I definitely think that in some ways they are preparing me for something. I guess only time will tell what that something is. You are an amazing speaker. I could, I get mesmerized. And I'm not just saying this because I love you. I get mesmerized with your words, with your beliefs, with your um, passion, I feel that um, you chose your parents uh, for the mere reason to um, create this foundation within you because you're such a strong soul and you needed strong parents to, strong, beautiful parents in the means of a way to let you do and be who you are. But then also these hardships, these resistances, these um, sandstorms that you've endured uh, to to share authentically with so many people. I see you on social media, and uh, what I love about is you is you do not hold back. <laughs> I, I love that you just you say it how it is, and you have your voice and. And you're you're teaching your children to be that, you know, to be these amazing souls that are creative and authentic and exploring this amazing journey. I could only hope um, that you share more with the world because the stories you have, the um, the ability to share, the ability the ability to. Uh, uh, create beautiful conversations and the approachability that you have it it obviously we're observers and witnesses to this um but it feels like it's effortless for you and um i just hope that you continue to share more because uh you're uh, you're magnetic <laughs> you're magnetic I, I don't know how else other to say it but it's just well i appreciate it that i <laughs>
Uh, no, my my passion, I think, really is not it's not like um, totally tied into politics. That's definitely a topic that I get fired up about more more so than food. I mean, I agree with you completely. He was more into the food element, and that's not my my uh, passion. Mine would be more politically aligned. Although my dad's was very political as well. I think he just because he had a larger audience, he kind of kept that, that a little bit more private. Because um, at home, he was more mm. more motivated by politics than by food as well. But I think it was safer to, you know, you, you don't want to, when you're a public person, you don't want right. to go out there and alienate 50% of your audience. So I think that my dad was more politically inclined as well. But for me, honestly, the thing that I'm passionate about, being able to connect in a real way. And I think that for, uh, so this, this is probably going to be um, like surprising, I guess. But when I was a little kid, let's say five years old to like 12, I lied all the time. I all I was a big time liar. <laughs> I was. I was a big time liar. If it was like whatever the topic was at school, I would make up something just to relate or connect or tie into it. And I got to a point as I got older, as I, I probably around the time I entered into puberty or something, but I, I got to a point where I no longer wanted to, you know, let me just say this. I lied because I wanted to have attention or I wanted to like have a voice or I wanted to connect or I wanted to relate. But I got to a point where I no longer wanted to do that. I no longer wanted to lie. I no longer wanted to connect with somebody because I made something up. I wanted it to be real. And that was a big, you know, like a big shift for me in my personal development of myself it was one of the, the one of the most um it was it's one of the things i remember most about being a child is my desire all of a sudden to not do that and i think that that has been a sticking point for me as i've become um an adult and as i've begun sharing more is that the thing i like the most is telling the truth feel that every time i do Every single time I open up or I share something or I connect with somebody in a real and authentic way where I'm not promoting an agenda and I'm not pushing my ideas on somebody, I'm just opening myself up to connecting. I think that every time I do that, I have a beautiful and incredible and miraculous occurrence. And that is almost addicting in a way to uh, to connect with people in a way that feels real. And the result, the the end game for me is walking away feeling really content. And I think for so long I've looked for that. I've looked for that feeling of feeling content. And I think that I've come to know that for me on a personal level, when I am open, when I'm willing to share, when I'm vulnerable, and when I'm authentic, I get that. And now I crave that. And so it's not even like a choice. It's like a, it's like a burning desire. And I, if you, you know, you said, so, you, you know, obviously I, I know we are all connected on social media. So when I make those posts, it's because I have the idea I need to share this. And then it becomes pestering. It becomes like, I wake up in the middle of the night, like you got to share this. And I start thinking about how I want to share it. And I start writing it in my head. 
And then I finally hit the send button or the post button or whatever it is. And the feeling is one of pure relief, pure contentment. And I love it. And I love that feeling. And every time I do, somebody says to me, Mm -hmm. I went through the same or I relate to you because I experienced this as well. And that authentic connection is like a breath of fresh air for me. And that's why, I mean, that's the only reason why I do it is because it's so Mm -hmm. fulfilling on a personal level. It's almost like it's like addicting. So what do you see yourself doing to uh, catalyst, to activate, to do more of that? Because obviously you have hundreds of thousands of followers. You have people who are uh, connecting with you all of the time. People who are, I know, feel exactly the same way about you that I do. We look for you. We look to see what you're going to say next. We look to you as um, a leader here to help um, create some sort of peace because we know that you've been through it. We know that you have, um, that you will be authentic in, in your response, no matter if you've went through it or not, you're going to be authentic in that response. So what do you see, like, what do you see yourself doing or what do you want to do in order to um, create more of that? Oh, I want to stop being lazy. I'm lazy. <laughs> I am. I'm lazy. I, I get really stuck in my own bubble of my own house and my own children and, and just the day to day. And I get really caught up in that. And I think that sometimes it really takes like a kick in the butt for me to get moving again. And I, so, so what I would like to see is to me be, uh, for me to be more, um, more willing to engage, to not turn off the work, to not avoid it, to not allow myself to get stuck in the bubble. And I think hopefully if I continue to, to stay open to doing the work, I hope that I can just continue to, I don't know, honestly, I, I just like sharing stories. I just like telling stories and I just like sharing stories that are real. And I hope that I can continue to do that (laughs) maybe eventually in a way that makes money for me, because that would be nice, uh, you know, to have some income. Um, but I hope to just be able to continue to share in a way that, um, resonates with people and in a way that is like really fulfilling on a soul level for me. And beyond that, um, you know, I want to get this baby out because I feel like I've been pregnant for five years. So <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to get him out and then, um, you know, not have any more children, at least not for a while and really kind of start to work on my career because, you know, this is my third baby in three and a half years. And so that's a lot. So I think I need to have a little space to get back to myself. So that's kind of the short-term goal. The long-term goal, I think, I don't know, to somehow make it safer for people to be honest and vulnerable and willing to connect and share their good, their bad, and their ugly um, without fear of being judged with the knowing that in doing so, they subconsciously give permission for somebody else to do the same. And if I could be a part of opening that up, I would love that. So good. Well, in the meantime, um, continue to post and continue to honor that um that voice that gets you up to post 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 it and (laughs) and write it in in your head continue to do all of that we uh will always look for your posts and 
even your little beloved Sailor and Windsor, <laughs> their Instagram. Oh my God, I love their videos. <laughs> where, so where can we uh, find you and where can these beautiful people listening to this podcast, where can they find you if they want more of you and your beautiful children? Um, really? I'm on just Facebook and Instagram. My Facebook, I believe, is just Serena Dyer and Instagram is uh, Serena Dyer Pisoni. Or um, I think uh, I have a woman who helps me with my website because I'm technologically challenged, but it's serenadyer.com. And I believe that all of my like, links are, are posted on the website. So, so, you know, any of the social media places is great. Well, we so appreciate your time and your authentic energy talking about uh, an array of topics of just having conversation flow. We are so grateful that you were able to join us this evening. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, uh, inspiring us, and making us uh, say, hmm, just a little bit longer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always lovely to talk to both of you. No, it's great having you on, love. Uh, so once again, thank you for your time and energy, and, and uh, you know, have a beautiful, beautiful day. Peace out. Thank you. You too.